G'day everyone and welcome to the first ever possible pilot trial, whatever you want to call it, edition of Home League and Hops. Uh, that's right, this is our new show. Uh, we did the survey over on the Draft Doctors where people wanted to hear more about the Home Leagues uh, going on in the, in the various leagues we play in and how we build a team and what's going on there. It's also going to combine our love of beer. Uh, there is a bit of beer love in the fantasy football community, a lot of out of weight, uh, overweight, middle-aged white men going on out there who enjoy a beer. So uh, it's, it's going to be a bit looser than the tightest fantasy football pod going around over there at the Draft Doctors, but we can talk our beer and our teams. Of course, you all know Jono, the co-creator of the Draft Doctors, and massive beer nerd. How you doing, bud? Good, mate. G'day, listeners. G'day, Steve. Good to be here trying this out. So... I mean, we're not sure of having a bevy when we do the draft doctors, but this is going a bit more deeper into, um, especially my love of craft beer and uh, t- talking about all things homely, which absolutely surprised the shit out of me when we did that survey that people wanted to hear more. I mean, you've been sort of anti-homely talk on the pod for, for many of years, but here we are, what, six, seven years down the track talking homely. It's awesome. Well, I don't know if it's awesome because I'm not on top, but um, <laughs> uh, another guest we've got, uh, we've never had him on the pod before, but he is on the Twitters somehow tweeting about maths. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what that is, but uh, he, he built the mock draft website. So if you're a big fan of that, which we know we get a lot of great support on that, he is the brains behind that. He is a beer aficionado and a massive Richmond Nuffy. Uh, don't, forget, don't forget the IT support. IT support in the emails. Yeah, we there's no support from us. We just handle that shit off. Uh, it's Ross. Ross, what's what's happening, yeah. man? Well, no, thanks for having me. Um, that is a complete fabrication about maths. I think the only the only time I've ever seen maths is when I watch Gogglebox and it's on there, um, and that's about all I can take really. Uh, yeah, but, uh, Rich, Richmond fan. Uh, how did it feel last week when Tom Lynch was absolutely going ham? Uh, he was he was playing against you in fantasy in the home league, whilst demolishing the pies. That, that's that's a, it's a mixed bag. It it was actually a good situation because at that point I was still comfortable with my scoring. I obviously played Jonathan. Well, we would know that, but you guys wouldn't know that. Uh, and but he was scoring great against Collingwood, and everyone loves beating Collingwood, obviously. Um, so mixed feelings, but, um, when he's out there and he's scoring, I think he had 18 possessions in the first half and you know, a couple of goals. That's like bulging your pants type of territory. That's really good. Just five goals, one and 102 super coach <laughs> points. That's fine. Yeah. No, no biggie at all. No biggie at all. Anyway, so this is home league and hops. And so the, the beer is the focus. And Ross, we let you, uh, pick the beer. This week, or you gave us some suggestions. I obviously have no idea about uh, beer other than just tip it down my throat and it'll get me where I need to be. What are we drinking? Why are we drinking it? And what's happening yeah. with this beer? All right. Well, I've chosen uh, XPA by Bolter. So if you are unfamiliar with the beer or unfamiliar with the brewery, uh, Bolter was started by a bunch of surfers. The main sort of one is Mick Fanning. Uh, and there were some other sort of co-founder investors and stuff, um, and they wanted to open up a brewery on the Gold Coast, um, and they did that a few years ago um, and started putting out some great beers. I think XPA was probably their first one. Um, that and the IPA. 
Yeah, and it's just it's just one of those beers where if you don't like it, there's just something wrong with you. Um, there's there's a few beers out there in Australia like Stone and Wood, Pacific Ale's a bit like that. It's just one of those beers that everyone likes, um, and that's evident by the fact that it's been voted like number one beer in the Gabs Hottest 100, um, which is sort of like a Triple J Hottest 100 they do every year, where they count down 100 to one of most popular beers in Australia. Um, and it well, was number one for quite a few years in a row. Um, it's no longer number one, but it's still polling, like, in the top three or something at least. Um, but it's just a great beer. It's everywhere now because um, they've been bought out by Big Beer. Um, but that's great. You know, you can get it everywhere now. You can get it at a local um, bottle You can get it out in country pubs and stuff. So, I don't know. I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I never tried it. It's one of those... Um... Like I said, I'm a, I'm a cheap man. I'm a, the poorest man in fantasy football. But I saw it. I liked it. It's a real nice. I like the can. Like just yeah, the, at the, the branding can. is really good. Um, it's simple, but every can they have is basically the same design, just with a different color. And I do like that because it's instantly recognisable. If you go to the bottle, you you go, oh, there's there's Bolter over there. Whereas some breweries have a different design for every can. There's you kind of lose the the identity of the brewery, but they're sort of stuck fat. I, I can't think of a beer they've put out that hasn't been in a similar kind of style. They might have, but nothing sort of rings a bell. It's all that that white top with some kind of you know colour down the bottom. The thing with the XPA, it's, it's actually 1.5 standards for an XPA. It's actually quite strong, but doesn't drink like a strong boozy beer. It's, you think it's quite sessionable, and I've been caught out a few times where. Four pack, yeah, smash that, and next day, yeah, need that uh, Macca's run on the way to work or something like that. So just got to be careful with that, but it, yeah, it is nice and floral, tropical. I like it. It's smooth as hell. I, I'll mm. be honest. Like, this is probably one of the easiest drinking beers I've ever had. There's no big, sharp bites. Uh, it just rolls off the tongue. Because you're a big fan of the hoppy beers, aren't you, Steve? You, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, the you passion know fruit. <laughs> You know me, you know me. I love that, love those uh, passiona type beers. No, this is great. Like considering it, it really has those. I don't want to say like mangoey vibes, but it's kind of like that, right? Yeah, it's tropical. It's, tropical, it's fruity. It's like I would say if you if you haven't, you know, if you haven't got into anything apart from sort of macro, it's, it's a good, sessionable, drinkable, approachable beer. It's not gonna you know, blow your socks off with too much hops or bitterness or, you know, or anything like that. It's, yeah, it's great hot weather beer. You know, in terms of footy season, well, you know, I like to have one sort of either with dinner or like just after dinner as I'm putting kids to bed or whatever and the footy's kind of starting, you know, it's something I can just kind of sip on in the evening. And then as I sit down and sort of warm into the game a bit more halftime, I might get on something else. But it's just one of those beers you can just pull out of the fridge and, you know, and we're drinking out of a glass. I'm glad to see you're drinking out of a glass as well. But definitely on a hot day or if you've just, you know, done some gardening or something, you could easily rip one and just drink it from the can. It's great. Yeah, it might be poor, but we're not classless for us. Let's not have that lost on us. Um, yeah, but anyway, um, talking about the home league, now, because uh, people did want to know about okay. it. How are the teams standing in the home league? Uh, Ross had a bit of a tumble in the standings this week. He obviously got screwed over with Dan McStay uh, 
last week, but what, what, where are we all standing? I think I'm, I'm, I'm fifth. I, I can give you the ladder now if you like. Yeah. I've got it up here. Uh, so I'm sitting in sixth and for the listeners out there, we do top six in our, in our home league. Um, so top two get the, basically the buy in the first week of finals. And then obviously three versus six, four v five, but we sort of switch it up a little bit. Whereas whoever finishes on top, uh, gets to pick their opponent in the prelim. So you might not be playing your opponent in the uh, prelim, but you can pick your opponent and then whatever you score, it just goes on through there. So, um, but speaking of that, Ross sitting in third, there's actually three people all on equal six wins, uh, 24 points. So equal top of the ladder, if you want to call that. Steve, you are fifth with 20 points and me sixth with 16 with a uh, two Two game buffer, if you want to call that, between seventh and not missing, making finals this year. So it's pretty tight. Yeah, it's probably the, the, the tightest we've had in a while. It uh, is normally. Yeah. There's been a bit of variance because you've got, um, like Dane is sitting fourth and he's the top scoring team by total points by quite a while, like quite a way. But he's had a few unlucky weeks where he's come up against, you know, a lower team or even a team above him that's just outscored him. So by all means, he should be well on top of the ladder, um, but has just sunk down to four. So there's, you know, the, the top four, you know, I'm not including you guys, um, you know, are quite <laughs> competitive. <laughs> there's, there's really not a lot in it. They're, like by all means, there probably should be four or five teams on the same amount of points. There's just been some unlucky games. I think I played you, Steve, two weeks ago and you had your best score of the season, and I think so did I at the same week. So, you know, it's kind of tough. Yeah, and, and I think we get listeners who have written in this week saying, oh, you know, I'm the top scorer, but I'm eighth in my 10-team league. And, and sometimes you just cop the run bad. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's fantasy football. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. I want to know what, where you guys think your weaknesses are. Do you know where... where if you were looking to, because we all look like trade talk and waiver talk and, and saying, oh, I should improve this line, I should do this, where do you feel like your weakness is uh, and, and what can you improve and how would you do you think you're going to go about that? Well, I thought when I drafted my midfield was solid, but I could trade up to that mid uh, extra midfielder, like that solid M4, M5. Like I got... Liber and Simkin as at M3, M4. And that's where, uh, in our home league, Tom Mitchell was offered up to me and other people. And I thought, well, I've got Liber, who's now got forward status. If I slide him forward where I'm a bit weak, I can throw Tom Mitchell. He's only averaging, uh, I think, just under 100 this year, where I can just maintain that Liber average, bolster my forward line, and I've got guys like Yo and Dom Sheed sitting on the pond that have... Well, I traded for Elliot Yo um, a couple of weeks ago, and I picked up Dom Sheed that, with you know the death of Luke Shuey, I thought we'll get a bit of a bump when he comes in. So I have elements there, uh, but it just all hasn't come together. I mean, injuries, COVID, and the new, the new vogue term, illness, is starting to come into effect. But I think my biggest one is Ruckman. Uh, started up, started up with Scotty Lysette. Uh We know he did, did the shoulder 12 to 13 weeks and got Mark Pitnett. Then I think two weeks later, he ran into Sean Darcy's knee. 
he's out with the PCL and now I'm uh, around the old Tom DeConing for a couple of weeks, but I've slid him forward and brought in old Reese Stanley. But I would say Rux is where I'm weakest at the moment. So Rux and forwards is all I'm hearing. Yes. How are you going to solve the forward issue? Just uh, just waiver streaming or do stream, you make a trade? Yeah. You can hope for the DPP. Uh, I've got the DPP. I've got, like I said, I've got Liber and Lipinski. I mean, if I could slide Lipinski forward, and if Yo or She pop, then that solves a bit of problem. But I know Ross, we a couple of weeks ago, you offered me Jared Witts for Liber, and at the time I hadn't done the Yo trade, so it didn't really work uh, structurally for my team. So maybe I should have revisited that when I did do the Laddams for Yo trade and. Picked up wits there, but that's uh, hindsight, I guess. Yeah, and that probably leads us to the next question. Before we talk about where your teams potentially want to improve at Rice, is you had the two rucks who were both flying along in Sean Darcy and Jared Wits, and I personally think it's one of the toughest trades to make, uh, trading out a high-valued ruckman. For, for something of comparable value. You've managed to get the deal done, and I think you've done pretty well out of it, although Tom Mitchell's been rested this week. Why don't you, do you want to talk us through um, maybe some of the offers you made? You don't have to talk about all of them. Obviously, you're talking to your league mates and you want to screw us over, but um, <laughs> do you want to talk us through your process there? Yeah. All right. So, I mean, for context, um, I took Sean Darcy in the third round. So... He had a pretty good season last year. I thought, okay, when when the pick came to me, there were still a few players like Danger. I think you took Whitfield on the next pick, so you know you can't for, you can't foresee what's going to happen, like everything. So at that point, it, it was a tough pick, and I, I made the call. It got to like about round twenty-two, and I thought, you know what, I'll pick up some right cover just in case Sean Darcy spuds it, whatever it is, and that's where I got wits. So he was a pretty good value pick at that point it's not like it's not hard to get rid of someone that's you know you you take late and has popped i think at especially when you've got two decent rocks um you know it's it's kind of easier to get rid of one of them if you just had like grundy for example and someone offered you a primo mid that's a bit harder because you're going you know from grundy to basically someone from the pool Whereas if you've got two and one of them you picked up late, even though they're going great, like he's seventh total points in Supercoach overall, and he's the second best ruck, and this is all Supercoach, by the way, um, second best ruck and only 10 points behind Gorn. So he's a decent decent player. Um, when I was looking at like points per minute and that sort of thing, um, Darcy going great. I think he's like on 1.8, and he hasn't run out a lot of games. So his score looks lower than probably what, He's at, so for me they're comparable. I was willing to get rid of either, um, and that's what I offered most people. I said, look, I'll give you any ruck for something. What I was chasing was a midfielder, um, so my midfield's kind of it's okay. I've, I've got Boke and Neil who are like the top scorers, but then after that it drops off a fair bit. I think the floor of my bottom midfielders isn't great, and that's costing me. So I wanted to get someone that was going to bring that floor up. But it's just so hard to get midfielders. Um, so I think I made some trade offers. I think I made one to you. I was offering... Uh, I think I wanted Cornelio off Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. For Wits, I think. Um, who else was I offering for? I think I offered for Dangerfield before he 
went down injured or had a spell or whatever he's doing at the minute. Um, but I was basically targeting either a DPP forward, um, and that's where the, the Liberatore thing came in, or I was targeting sort of a decent-ish mid um, just to, you know, bolster that, that midfield. Uh, so the trade offer came to me Sunday night for Mitchell, and I was a bit hesitant. Um, so I just wanted to have a look at his numbers, and I know he's been going that great. And I thought, well, you know what? It's it's probably not you know like a even trade if you want to look at it like in terms of stats and output at the minute. But Mitchell's averaging something like ninety odd or whatever, um, and he's got the potential if he, you know, gets back to his best to go higher. So I figure, well, I've got a spare ruck who's just sitting on the bench. I can turn that into at least a 90 averaging mid, or best case, he's going, you know, 100 plus mid. So that's what I ended up sort of going with in the end. Um, and we did that trade Monday, and he's now since been dropped. So I'm kind of regretting that trade. <laughs> no, but I think that's I think that's the hard point is what you're saying is you go to find comparable value to someone else, he might be a captain option. To you, he scores nothing. That That's yeah. the problem. Mm-hmm. So finding that middle ground is, to me, it's so hard. Well, it comes back to that where you took them as well. Like, he was, he probably was oh. first round, I think. So Who? getting first. Mitchell. Mitchell was first Mitchell. second. Ab- yeah, absolutely. But, like, I, I, we're past that, surely, at this point. Nah, no way. I think people are very protective of their first couple of picks. You know, I've definitely it's had league, it. Steve. People. They... <laughs> oh, trust me, I've got no. Well, I, I I can agree because I've got Tom Mitchell in the listener league, and man, you could offer me so much, and and I will never trade him. <laughs> I'm, I'm going down with that ship. But it, like, that people, being said, it gets to that, po- it gets to that point as the, well. But as this well. is the difference. I haven't been offered a captain option, whereas Wits is is a legitimate. Captain yeah. option in Supercoach, and his and his matchups are so juicy. Like, My I think um, is, you had Darcy as well. Why did you go throw up Wits, who's probably safer over Darcy? Where if he gets like a mosquito bite, he's gone for two weeks. Yeah, Darcy's definitely got injury concern, but I think his scoring output is actually better than Wits. Um, for me, Wits is a bit of a wave. Like, he's going great now, and chances are he'll probably go great for the rest of the season. But at the same time, I didn't expect him to go great. He's going great. You, like, you sell the stocks while they're high. Has, so, had, yeah, hasn't had the preseason. Probably going to get a drop somewhere. Well, he, he, might, he might, but at the end of the day, I picked him up late. He's averaging 120 or 30 yeah. or something. M- move him on for something that I need. Sell high, buy low sort of thing. <clears throat> I love the colour of this beer, too. <laughs> like, it looks like a beer beer. Like it's Still darker than... Mick Vanning, Joel Parkinson, if you're listening, hit us up for sponsorship. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> yeah, no, but anyway, I thought it was... Well, where, so where are you... So you're obviously the low end <clears throat> of the mids is where you want to... Yeah, so my midfield is Lockie Neal, Travis Boke, going great. Uh, you've got... And then the rest are basically... Well, I've got Gaff, who... I had higher hopes for. He's not going that great. Everyone from West Coast is not going that great, to be honest. I think if you've got anyone West Coast, just get out now. Um, so I've got Gaff and Callie. You know, they're just kind of plugging along in the 70s or something. Ward goes off every now and again. Uh, and I've got Sheil, who's just not going great at all. And then I'm basically filling a gap with 
Caldwell and Alice week to week. Um, so has, I really has need Ward to... got defender status yet? Surely he'd Not be yet. in the mix for it. Not yet. Because then that opens up another line there. But my my, my other lines are all right though. Like especially well, Zebul going to deep forward. The death of Jack Z couldn't see that coming. really not helped me at all. Um, and I tried to move him on as well. I just could not get a deal done. I think um, you were one week too late on that. No, nah, well, the week I noticed he went forward was the week he kicked those five goals. And he only got 90. And he kicked five and goals. And, and I it. thought, oh, my God, um, I, need to, I need to move him on here because uh, he's not going to kick five goals every week. Um, and it just won't keep happen. five goals every week. Nah, oh, I just just could not get a deal done, and then I ended up getting stuck with him, and now he's getting 30s and 50s every week, and you just you could not even, yeah, you, unless you try and do him in a two-for-one, but even then people don't want it. Um, and I'm, I was this close to just putting him in the pool this week, but I just know as soon as I do that, there's going to be someone get their fishing rod and pop it in and so pull so him what? up out of the pool. So what? Because so oh, as, as soon as I do that, he was going to probably drop back again and start. Oh shit! Obviously, I don't understand that because Hall's coming back. Like, why would why would Zebel go back? Oh, I don't know. I thought you know maybe they're struggling. They're like, oh, we tried it, didn't work. Send him back. You know, I feel like it's going to happen at just some point. Drop is that all the, together because drop him. They should. But I always think that's funny. Is people uh, aren't aggressive enough in how they drop players. Like, when they're in your team, you overrate them. And that's all of us. I dropped it come, five it comes back players to that. this week. I dropped it five com- players this week. It comes back to that whole pick thing again. I don't know where I picked him, but it would have been like a top, let's say, six or seven of my picks. So it's like, I invested in this guy. He's not performing, but I, I can't get rid of him because then I feel like, you know, it's out of spite. I just don't want that's anyone else to cost. have That's the sunken cost fallacy, right? Yeah, but if he's... I mean, I've got to play him this week because just injuries and stuff. But if he's sitting on the bench, I'm happy to just plop him there. It's just when he costs you, like if you have to play him, because you're getting the lower score if someone see, goes down. See, see, Steve, it's a Crockett thing. It just, <laughs> we become attached to our players. And I've just learned this year, just just like a band-aid, just rip them off and chuck them back in the pool. Cause you absolutely have to. T- turned over five players this week. Like sort of, you know, those waiver-wide pickups sort of players, but... Just turn them over and just treat them like a number. That's it. You play one, two, three, four. Get the hell out. I think so. I think so. It's. I think that's the really hard part with a player like, say, a Tom Lynch, right? Who, yeah. If you've streamed them in the past couple of weeks, they've scored particularly well for you. If if like, and they've had great matchups, and obviously, I think they've got great match. Tom Lynch has particularly good matchups in the next couple of weeks, so he, yes. it's probably a bad example, but. To pull someone who you've streamed after a good score when that's all you've wanted out of them is a sort of hard thing to do, but it's the discipline thing to do. The perfect example is you've I've seen you stream Aaron Norton probably two or three times this year, and it's like, oh, well, it's a plus matchup this week. Gives you that ton. See ya. And then you might get him two weeks later when there's another plus matchup. It's, it's just going to be hard and fast and... Um, if you're dis- like you said, disciplined enough. Yeah, and I think you, you know what you're getting into with a stream, like, and you got you are prepared to drop them because you know you are streaming them for that game, or then you're going to hold them and then have another game. Like, perfect example was Harry Mackay against North Melbourne two weeks ago. 
I knew I'm picking him up for this week because he's going to kick 50 billion goals against North, and then after that he's dead to me. And there was no way I was ever going to keep him, and and that was fine. And sure enough, next week he goes back to you know average town. Well, but I think it's a discipline play, and sometimes people get attached to the score fraction. Yes, like if that makes sense. Well, not, not, ever, got, not everyone. Well, Tom Lynch did. He's had two good games in a row. Is that right? Yeah, and they're, they're both plus matchups, and I, th- I think he's got he Hawthorne and Essendon the next two weeks. I'm not two. sure. I'm, I think Essendon's a plus matchup. I'm not sure about Hawthorne, but Hawthorne's I think neutral to good. I think, but I'll still play that. Yeah, I think in that case, you, you know, you can probably hold on to them. But I think for me, unless you've really got designs on them to be a long-term scorer. Um, or, or you're taking them out of the pool in the hope that they just continue a particular average, you can't be attached to guys in the pool. I think you, you've just got to pick them out for to do a job, and then once the job's done, you, you ship them back. All right. Well, Tom Lynch is averaging 96 right now. You could bundle him up to someone who... There is a particular player in our league who oh. looks at score and average only. You could <laughs> bundle him up and just go, sayonara. He doesn't have any midfielders left to trade to, does he? He does not. <laughs> He's Zorko, which I've got my eye on. But He's a defender. Has he got defender and supercoach already? He does. He does. You, you target Zorko after the buys. Every year, he spuds it, and then just after the buys, he starts to come good, and by the end of the season, averages very well. Oh, he's been brainy the last few weeks. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's where I'm kind of stuck at the minute, is I've kind of hit the pool and hit guys who were kind of good, found a good role, and... Therefore, you can't. You kind of stuck with a team, and it, like it's scoring well, but it's no fun because you know in a month they're going to be complete dust. But you just kind of have to ride out good scores and then find someone else from there. Well, um, well that's where you got to start bundling up trades, right? And, and I think that's what you were going to hint at before, John. You said with Lynch, like you know, you could get one more game out of him, even if you think he's got one more good game in him. Give yourself a week or two weeks to ship him off, and then once, let's say you do ship him off, that other person gets to play him a week and gets a good score, and they feel good about the trade, rather than shipping him off or a thirty the next week. It's well, like perfect, no one feels great. Perfect after. example: like Laddams, one sixty-five, and I shipped him off next week, sixty. Yeah, I, I just wonder how many of those trades can get done. Like it's easy to go, hey, mm. ship him off, but. What are you actually going to get? Who are you going to trade to? It depends think... on what, what you're targeting. If you're really realistic, like everyone wants, you know, they want the Andy Brayshaws and the Jack McRae's, but you, it takes a lot to get a lot. Um, so, so if you get that mid tier, or even you think you're proposing it that you lose the trade, people might bite on that. I think it has to be steak knives. I, I don't think you can be offering up a pool player. You know, a one-for-one, one, unless you're trading, you know, for someone's, like, Tom Lynch was drafted in our league this year. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, and it probably gets down to, like, tenure. Like, say someone puts together eight weeks of good form, but you know their role's about to change. Like, I'll talk about Mark Blixarves. Well, mm. since Radigalia's gone out of the team and he's assumed the second ruck role, he, he's just brained it, like, absolutely brained it. Um but as soon as either Segler or Radigalia or see, whatever... Segler you won't see for 10 more weeks. Well, I don't think you're going to see either of them in the short term. So you're going to get another month plus probably 
out of him in this role at the very least. So he's going to absolutely brain it. He'll probably be averaging over 100 supercoach points uh, at the end of that month to turn around and go, well, please give me, you know, <laughs> Dan Butler. Like, it's, you know, that's where you kind of go, well, you can't just go, well, just flip him, just flip him, and you'll get, you know, um, Tim Kelly. Well, it's, it's, mm. like, sometimes it's okay to lose the trade a little bit, you know, if it means, like, if you've turned a pool player into an average player that you couldn't have got out of the pool, that's still a win, in my opinion. I think it's okay just to, to put them back in the pool eventually. I mean, if that suits your team. Like, you, you know... But you should try and get something for them. I understand the take, try to get something for them, but... Um... I think we always have the problem, and a lot of people find it in in their home leagues. They go, "Oh, we should, you should, I wish people did more trades." It's like, well, some people just are savvy enough to the fact that this player is about to change role. Some people just don't like to trade. Some people's teams don't need that particular uh, position. So it's not always easy just going, "Hey, flip them." Yeah, someone's got to be willing to buy them. Yeah. Anyway, I think there's a great. Uh, Great first episode of uh, Home League and Hops. Man, I, I really enjoyed those beers. I was a bit hesitant to come on, to be honest. Was that? Do you know why? Because, and like you mentioned at the top, I'm a bit of a Richmond aficionado. So I, you probably won't remember, but I've I'm, I'm got like memory of an elephant, so I remember. But on some very early pods, there were some comparisons made between my haircut and Trent Cotchin's, the, the bouffant. Oh, man, as if. And it was it was put that perhaps... I was very taken with, with Koch and maybe copied his hairstyle. I think this is directed at me. Well, I can't remember who said it, but <laughs> see that I said that. <laughs> it was it was said. And I'm older than him. He copied me. He probably caught me out in the crowd. I go to the home game. He probably caught me out in the M ten and thought, Yeah, that's not a bad looking haircut. I might uh, I might roll with that. I mean it's I not a bad looking haircut. I reckon mm. you just saw Callum Ward because it's exactly the same as Callum Ward's. Man, fucking no one has Colin Ward's hair. <laughs> not, the, not the band, not this man bud crap. I'm talking 2000. The wave. Yeah, yeah. the wave. 2012 style. The Luke Perry. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> Colin Ward is Luke Perry. The Paul Ruse. Thank you very much. Oh, man. We're going to talk. We're not going there. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Uh, please let us know on the Twitters how you felt about the show. <laughs> Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I really enjoyed it. So it was a lot of fun. We had some good beer, and we'll put uh, up all the names because we have an alternate version as well. Let's see what people, see what, what the fans think. What was it? Uh, craft brew with the draft crew. Craft brew with the draft crew. Wow, wow. <laughs> a mouthful. We paid the team so much to come up with that. They were brainstorming for uh, at least sixty nine hours on that one. Thank <laughs> you very much. We'll see you next time.